the rooster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Frank Diaz in for Deb Valentine with your new sports, business, traffic, and weather. Here's everything you need to know. The top five at five. Well, the first hearing for the findings of the January 6th Capitol riots were underway last night, the first of at least six. New government memos show the Pentagon raised the possibility of sending in the National Guard to the U.S. Capitol four days before the riots. The Justice Department is pushing back on former White House official Peter Navarro, who says he was denied access to an attorney. The New York Times says law enforcement on the scene of the Uvalde, Texas, school shooting were aware injured people were trapped inside before police decided to enter the school. AAA says New York State has surpassed the $5 mark for an average price of a gallon of gas. Well, House investigators worked to lay out a devastating case Thursday in the first of a series of June hearings examining the January 6, 2021 insurrection excuse me, riots at the Capitol. The House panel probing the attack showed a violent video of the siege and showed clips of testimony examining the weeks beforehand in which Trump pushed that the election was stolen. While the basics are well known, the committee's trying to tell the story of how it happened and how to prevent it from ever happening again for history. Committee Chair Representative Benny Thompson. It was domestic enemies of the Constitution who stormed the Capitol and occupied the Capitol who sought to thwart the will of the people to stop the transfer of power. And so they did, so at the encouragement of the President of the United States. The committee has conducted more than 1,000 interviews with people connected to the siege and collected more than 140,000 documents. They'll use the evidence over the course of at least six hearings this month to show how the attack was coordinated by some of the rioters in the violent mob that broke into the Capitol and interrupted DC the certification of President Joe Biden's victory and how Trump's efforts started it all. Thompson confirmed to CNN Thursday that the panel plans to release the transcripts from the closed-door depositions that it conducted. Well, new government memos show that the Pentagon first raised the possibility of sending National Guard troops to the U.S. Capitol just four days before the January 6th riots. The reportedly set in motion a series of rejections by Capitol Police and Democrats that left Congress vulnerable as threats of violence were rising. An official timeline of the January 6th event put together by Capitol Police showed that a Defense Department official reached out to a Capitol Deputy Chief Sean Gallagher on January 2nd to see if a request for troops was necessary, but the offer was rejected after a consultation with then-Chief Steve Sund. The rejection came as the Capitol Police Department was beginning to change its assessment, recognizing that the massive Trump rally to protest the November 2020 election results planned for January 6th had the potential for violence. John Solomon, who reported the findings on Just the News, appeared on Cats at Night, hosted by 77 WABC owner and operator John Katsimatidis. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, it's on the afternoon of January 5th, she gets word that the Capitol Police are agitating, want to get the National Guard, and she writes the Pentagon herself saying, don't you dare do that. We don't need this. The Metropolitan Police are pros. We got this covered. Don't bother sending out the Guard. The Democrats repeatedly turned down the best security option that was available to protect the Capitol. Earlier analyses suggested such violence was uh, unlikely at the January 6th event and was likely to be similar to previous Trump supporter marches.
Well, the Justice Department yesterday pushed back on an assertion from former White House official Peter Navarro, who claimed he was denied access to an attorney when he was arrested on contempt charges last week. In a court filing, the Justice Department alleged that Navarro lied to the judge and to members of the media, claiming he was told he couldn't call a lawyer and that he was denied food and water while being held for several hours after his arrest on Friday. Navarro also appeared on Cats at Night. I asked several times for the ability to call someone for legal advice. I was denied that request, and they confiscated my phone. And they're even disputing that, which blows my mind, which tells me how, well, what kind of blows uh, they'll stoop to. Navarro was indicted on charges that he refused to cooperate with the congressional investigation into January 6th. He was charged with one contempt count for failing to appear for deposition before the House Committee investigating the January 6th attack and a second charge for failing to produce documents the committee requested. Well, a new report from the New York Times says law enforcement officials on the scene in Uvalde, Texas last month were aware that there were injured, injured individuals trapped inside classrooms before authorities decided to breach the entrance. More than two weeks since the attack, questions remain about how the massacre unfolded and how police responded. Authorities have repeatedly changed their explanations of the events of May 24th that killed 19 students and two teachers, frustrating the public and officials who Valdi pediatrician Dr. Roy Guerrero was on CNN. I think unless you you lived it and you felt it and you still feel it like the, like the community does today and how Uvalde is mourning still at this point, You'll never truly know uh, or feel what we felt. Official timelines show that the shooter was killed nearly 90 minutes after the carnage began. In a May 27th news conference, Department of Public Safety Director Stephen McCross said the classroom was not immediately breached because the incident commander, Pete Arredondo, thought the scene was barricaded subject situation and not an active shooter situation. Texas Rangers and the United States Justice Department are investigating and reviewing the law enforcement response. Well, New York State has surpassed the $5 mark for the average price of a gallon of gas as of yesterday. This, according to AAA data, that's the highest ever average price on record. The national average just sits under the 497 mark. This, according to AAA. In Syracuse and Albany, the average price per gallon is 494. The average price is once and higher in Rochester at 495. The average reported price at Buffalo is 489. AAA says the highest prices in upstate New York are in the North Country, St. Lawrence, Franklin, Clinton, and Essex counties all have average gas prices over $5. They added that Westchester County is reporting the highest average price for gallon outside of New York City at 517 In Manhattan, the average price is up to 541 Andy Harris at the Long Island Gas Retailers Association says the price of gas is also heavily affecting sellers as well. A delivery can cost as much as $70,000, and that could come every two or three days. So the float that you'll need to get that product in from time to time is a tremendous amount of money for a small businessman. To conserve fuel, AAA is advising drivers to evade by combining errands into one trip, making sure tire pressure is at uh, peak values and use the best gas, gas mileage possible and removing unnecessary bulky items from your car. All right, here's your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunny today with a high of near 81. We got some clouds later tonight, a low around 64. Tomorrow, a 20% chance of showers, mostly cloudy with a high near 78. Right now, 60 degrees, 63 degrees and clear.
Well, Maryland police say three people were killed and one person was injured Thursday at a Maryland manufacturing plant by a co-worker who was also injured following gunfire with a state trooper. Deputies with the Washington County Sheriff's Office responded to the Columbia Machine Factory in Smithsburg around 2.30 in the afternoon. This amid reports of an active shooter. Washington County Sheriff Doug Mullendore said the three victims were found dead at Columbia Machine Incorporated in Smithburg, and a fourth victim was critically injured. The sheriff said at a news conference that the victims and suspect were all employees at the facility. The weapons used at both scenes was a semi-automatic handgun. The exact caliber, make, and model is not being released at this time as part of the investigation. The motive for the, the uh, shooting also has not uh, been determined at this time. Well, the shooter fled in a vehicle before authorities arrived at the scene and was tracked down by Maryland State Police. The suspect and the trooper were wounded in an exchange of gunfire. This, according to the sheriff, the suspect has only been identified as a 23-year-old West Virginia man. Well, a source familiar with the matter told CNN that a former employee at Abbott Nutrition filed a whistleblower complaint about the company's Sturgis, Michigan plant with OSHA back in February of 2021, months earlier than previously known. The source said the complaint was filed on February 16th last year and was passed to on, passed on to an Abbott and the U.S. FDA three days later. The news was first reported by the Wall Street Journal this week, which also said the whistleblower was terminated back in August of 2020 and filed a discrimination complaint with Michigan OSHA shortly after. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi last month said legal action may be needed against Abbott. I think that when the all of this is done... I'm not associating my colleagues with what I'm going to say right now. I'm just saying it myself. I think there might be a need for indictment. The Journal's report says Abbott submitted a formal response to the February complaint in April of last year. The Journal adds the whistleblower then filed a complaint with the FDA back in October of last year. That expanded on the safety claims made in the February complaint. The October 2021 complaint was released in late April by U.S. Representative Rosa DeLauro who called its allegations, quote, extremely disturbing. Well, a protester in Los Angeles was tackled by the Secret Service this week after she walked out onto the street and approached President Biden's motorcade. Biden was in downtown L.A. for the Ninth Summit of the Americas. The woman had moved onto a blocked-off street with a bullhorn and was quickly removed. The protester, who resisted officers during her arrest and ripped off the tackling officer's hat and glasses, appeared to be advocating for abortion rights. Biden is a supporter of women's right to choose. The U.S. Supreme Court, however, is poised to overturn Roe versus Wade. The Summit of the Americas, which began in 1994, brings together countries in the Western Hemisphere within the Organization of American States and is focused on promoting pro-democracy values and coordination among heads of state and top companies with influence in the region. Well, six men who came to Central Florida as part of the Haitian delegation for the 2022 Special Olympics USA Games have gone missing. The Osceola County Sheriff's Office posted that no foul play is suspected and detectives are investigating as an isolated incident. The men ranging from ages 18 to 32 were involved with a soccer team. Immigration attorney Nayef Mubarak told WFTV in Orlando that the men may be planning to defect and seek asylum after their hotel key cards were turned in and they disappeared. It's happened uh, numerous times before. 
uh, it's always an opportunity for some athletes who might be seeking refuge or asylum uh, in the host country. The men were last seen Monday near the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex, where some of the competitions are being held, according to Special Olympics organizers. Five of the men are not Special Olympics athletes, and one is an adult with an intellectual disability. Authorities say a Navy helicopter crashed yesterday, and everyone on board survived near the California desert site where a day earlier a Marine Osprey went down, killing all five people aboard. According to the base, four people were aboard the Navy chopper, which went down around 6 p.m. on a training range while conducting a routine training flight from Naval Air Facility El Centro. The helicopter is an MH-60S Seahawk assigned to Helicopter Sea Combat Squadron 3 based at Naval Air Station North Island. The base said that one crew member received an injury that was not life-threatening and was taken to the hospital. The crash site was originally described as being about 35 miles north of Yuma, Arizona. The Marine Corps a day earlier said all of the five Marines that passed away on board a tilt-rotor aircraft were killed when it crashed in the California desert near the Arizona border. 77 WABC time check coming up on 515. Over to my left, it is the great Justin Ellick. I hear the Rangers didn't do so well last night. No, uh, things are looking a bit bleak here for our boys in blue as game five at the Garden last night did not go according to plan with the Rangers falling three to one and subsequently finding themselves on the brink of elimination. With the game nodded at one late in the third period, it looked as if we'd be looking for a hero in overtime when uh, the Lightning's Andre Palat sucked the energy out of the Ranger faithful. Kucherov poked it back to Stamkos. Across it comes for Sergachev. Toward the net, he scores! Again! From just inside the blue line. 2-1 Lightning with 1.50 to go. That call courtesy of ESPN. The Lightning would add an empty netter shortly thereafter to put them up 3-1 to one for good. And now we'll see what kind of fight is left in our beloved blue shirts with their backs up against the wall, heading back to Tampa for Game 6 come tomorrow night. On the diamond, it was just the Yankees in action out in Minnesota with the Mets taking the night off ahead of their three-game weekend set with the Angels set to get underway tonight at 9.38 p.m. Things looked sour for the Yanks to start as the Twins came right out of the gate and went back-to-back to back with their first three batters of the ball game off of ace Garrett Cole. One thing we've learned about this Yankee squad is that you can never count out their bats out of a game. They showcased that attribute last night, storming all the way back from a deficit as big as four to claim the 10-7 to victory and another series win down 7-5 to at the time. It was the lefty swing of Aaron Hicks that reset the ball game in the sixth. Hicks launches that down the right field line. This game is Aaron Hicks with a little more Minnesota magic, and it's 7-7. That call courtesy of the Yes Network. A Rizzo single in the seventh would put New York up one, and they wouldn't look back from there as they now welcome in the Chicago Cubs tonight at 7.05 for a weekend soiree. That'll be Luis Severino going up against to be decided for the Chicago Cubs. Also tonight, game four of the NBA Finals between the Warriors and Celtics. Boston holds a 2-1 to series lead heading into tonight's 9 p.m. tip-off in Boston. For more sports content, follow 77 WABC Sports on Instagram and Twitter. And here with the early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellig on 77 WABC. 
Thank you, Justin. Your forecast right now, 63 degree, it's 63 degrees and clear outside the 77 WABC studios. Here's Frank Morano with your business report. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. The opening bell rings this morning as the trading week starts to wind down on Wall Street. Stocks closed lower Thursday ahead of today's release of last month's consumer price index. Traders will look to see if inflation has peaked or if the Federal Reserve will be even more aggressive. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones lost 638 points. The S&P 500 dropped nearly 98 and the Nasdaq fell by 332 points. Social Security Administration officials say those who rely on the benefit its program are likely to receive a cost of living adjustment closer to 8% at the end of 2022 due to the current rate of inflation, which is the highest in four decades. That increase would represent the biggest cost of living adjustment for COLA since 1981. The average monthly Social Security check is about $1,658, which means beneficiaries could see an increase of $132.64 per month in early 2023, bringing the average check to about $1,790. Fans of sriracha sauce in the United States might have to find a new spice alternative this year because there's going to be a shortage of the condiment. Hui Fung Foods, Inc., the nation's largest sriracha sauce manufacturer, sent a letter to its customer base in April about the impending shortage, which would directly impact retailers and restaurants. The shortage began back in July of 2020, but worsened in recent months after poor weather conditions adversely affected chili crops this year. Sources tell CNBC that Disney has abruptly fired Peter Rice, its most senior television content executive, citing a bad cultural fit. According to people familiar with the matter, Rice didn't know the firing was coming. Disney elevated Dana Walden to take over for Rice, while the company's board expressed its support for CEO Bob Chapek. I'm Frank Morano on WABC. I'll be back 1 a.m. Monday morning. Thanks, Frank. Taking a look at your futures. Dow Jones Industrial Average down about one, about 0.14%. S&P 500 down about 0.04%. NASDAQ futures down about a fifth of 1%. The WABC Early News. Well, a little girl is recovering after being hit by a car Sunday in the Bronx. The NYPD says it's looking for the driver who fled the scene. The mother of the child, Christine Cruz, told CBS2 that she wishes she had never seen the surveillance video of her daughter getting hit by a car. Footage she hopes will help police find the driver. She got stitches here, you know, had a split opening this big. Um, behind her back, she has a, a, a scar, like of a tire ran over her, like this big, from her neck down to her waist. And um, all her fingers are like sliced. She's been crying, and um, she's just been um, thanking God that, you know, she's here. Cruz said she decided to get some fresh air with her daughter, Nevea, on Sunday at a park near their home because she had just gotten better after getting the COVID-19 virus. The mother of three said she let her youngest daughter meet them since it was just a short walk away. By the time she got to 1711 Boone Avenue in Morrisana, Nevea was being put into the ambulance. Cruz said her daughter, who wants to be a nurse, is traumatized and they're taking it day by day. She's asking the driver to come forward and is hoping her daughter feels better by her birthday next month. Well, Mayor Eric Adams yesterday announced that mask wearing will soon be optional for New York City toddlers in schools and in daycare facilities about two weeks before the last scheduled day of classes. The mayor revealed in a press release that the controversial face covering mandate for kids ages two to four in public schools and other city run settings will be lifted beginning on Monday, June 13th, the last day of class at 
the Department of Education is set for June 27th. The mayor had initially announced the impending end to the policy two months ago, but on Thursday he said City Hall continues to strongly recommend that New Yorkers of all ages continue to wear masks indoors. The statement goes on to say that the city will keep providing masks at DOE schools for those who want to wear them. Well, the lifting of the mask requirement for children under five who are not yet eligible to receive a COVID-19 vaccine comes more than three months after Adams lifted the rule for older students who can get the shots. Adams had promised back in March that the rules for the city's youngest students and daycare attendees would be removed starting on April 4th. But he backtracked on the move after an uptick in coronavirus cases. Well, police are investigating a string of recent sex crimes in the MTA's transit systems, all involving either forcible touching or sexual abuse. Officials say the five recent incidences are unrelated, but some involve teenagers. In one of the incidents, police said around 530 in the afternoon on June 2nd, 28-year-old woman was walking on a subway station stairway in Tribeca when an unknown man placed his hand up her skirt and touched her in a sexual way. The suspect ran off after the incident. Police say the woman wasn't injured. In another incident on Monday, police said a 15-year-old girl was on an MTA bus in Staten Island when an unknown man rubbed his hand between the girl's legs over her clothing. Police have released video of the suspect. Police said the man then pointed at the victim's groin area and then grabbed him in a sexual manner of his clothing. When the trainer, excuse me, this is, I read something incorrectly. One strap hanger told Pix11 the issues in the subway are much larger than we think. I would be careful, especially at night. It's shocking. It's a tricky issue, though. You know, it's a complex, it's a complex city issue. And I think, you know, the, the biggest issue with people in the subway is that we don't have enough housing for them. So uh, if we're able to solve that, I think things will get a lot better. Anyone with information in regard to the incidents is asked to call NYPD's Crime Stoppers hotline at 1-800-577-TIPS to submit their tips by locking on to the Crime Stoppers website or on Twitter at NYPD Tips. Well, R. Kelly, the R&B superstar known for I Believe I Can Fly, deserves at least 25 years behind bars for sexually abusing women and girls. This according to prosecutors in a memo filed Wednesday in advance of his sentencing later this month. New York City jury found Kelly guilty of racketeering and multiple other counts last year at a sex trafficking trial that was seen as a signature moment in the Me Too movement. Prosecutors alleged the entourage of people who helped Kelly meet girls and keep them obedient amounted to a criminal enterprise. In an interview with Gail King, he was extremely emotional as he was denying all the allegations against him. Fighting for my life! Y'all killing me with this shit. I gave y'all 30 years of my fucking career. Robert. 30 years of my career. And y'all trying to kill me. Some accusers testified and lured detail during the trial, alleging Kelly subjected his victims to perverse and sadistic whims when they were underage. In the filing, prosecutors wrote that Kelly uses fame, money, and popularity to systematically prey upon children and young women for his own sexual gratification. Well, a man repeatedly slugged a strap hanger in an unprovoked attack before robbing him inside a Bronx subway station. The 49-year-old victim was sitting on a bench on the southbound one train at the Marble Hill 225th Street station around 6 a.m. on Sunday when the attacker approached him and then suddenly just randomly punched him in the face multiple times, as according to police. The mugger then snatched the victim's iPhone 13 
the phone worth about $1,000 also had his credit card on the back of the case. The victim refused medical attention at the scene for pain and had a small cut on his upper lip. Police say the attacker has got a dark complexion with black hair and a fully grown beard. He's about 30 years old, 6 feet tall, 250 pounds, last seen wearing a white T-shirt with the words Sports and Glory on the back, white shorts and white sneakers. You can see the video of the man on WABCRadio.com. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. The WABC Early News. Well, a Siena College poll released earlier this week highlighted New Yorkers' feelings towards Mayor Eric Adams and their biggest concerns in the city. Siena College pollster Dr. Don Levy spoke with Deb Valentine about Adams' recent polling numbers and the safety of New Yorkers. Your recent poll asked New Yorkers if New York City Mayor Eric Adams is doing a good job. So what did respondents tell you? Well, overall, only 29% of New York City residents say that they think the mayor is doing either an excellent or good job. Uh, About 64% rate his performance as no better than fair or poor. Interestingly, though, when we said, do you approve or disapprove of the style with which he handles himself as mayor, a majority, 53%, uh, appreciate his style, what I think the mayor calls his swagger. How do New Yorkers feel the mayor is doing on some other issues such as crime, homelessness, and safety at Rikers? Well, you know, that's where the uh, the rubber meets the road, and that, that's where uh, New York City residents are saying they'd like the mayor to do a better job. Only uh, 18% uh, give him an excellent or good grade on uh, addressing the problem of homelessness in the city. Uh, slightly more, 21%, give him a strong rating on uh, fighting crime. And in terms of safety at Rikers, only 16% uh, give the mayor a excellent or good rating on um, handling the safety issues there at Rikers. Um, you know, now, a lot of that is due to the feeling that people people have in the city of just simply not feeling safe. An alarmingly high number, 70% of New Yorkers told us that they just feel less safe today than they did before the pandemic. And 76%, 76% of New York City residents told us that they personally are afraid that they will be the victim of a violent crime. That's the thread that kind of winds through uh, the psyche of New Yorkers and is being reflected in their assessment of the mayor's performance. Related to safety, Don, did people that were polled say they feel that more police are needed in the subways and that they would support an idea such as metal detectors at subway entrances? Absolutely. Um, despite giving the mayor some, some harsh grades, they support many of the initiatives that he's championing, including um, 85% who'd like to see more police in the subways, 63%, 70% of women who'd like to see additional metal detectors, um, 
And breaking up homeless encampments, 60% of uh, all New York City residents say that that's something that they would be in favor of. And a majority, 52%, say they'd like to see an increase in the budget for the NYPD. So there are some policies that the mayor has been championing that New Yorkers support. Uh, and if indeed those come to pass, it appears uh, that New Yorkers may upgrade uh, their assessment of his performance. You can listen to the full interview on WABCRadio.com. We got Bernie and Sid coming up next. Uh, Bernie's out today. We got the clip of the day. Lydia reports at 825. Sid sports at the 32nd minute of each hour. And the beat Sid contest, not beat Bernie today. We got Joe Pinion coming in and American actress and model Alexandra Vino. And we also have Sid's sound effects and complaints about everything later today. 77 WABC time check, 5 59, sponsored by Boulevard Watches, Discover finely crafted timepieces available at Macy's. Well, thanks for joining me today. Deb's back in on Monday. I will see you next time. Thank you very much. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC.